It's not my fault. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am crew. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen. Online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is Eric, myself, Mike. Kylan is en route towards Eric's side of the lair. It's a big lair, folks. That's all I got to say. Um, but he's on his way. You're mute. Unmute your mute. Ah, excuse me. I said, you know, it's kind of like urban sprawl with the volcano. Yes. Uh, but joining us is one of our field agents. So this, the Intrepid Trio... Minus one half, and one half is equal to four. And sorry, daughter's common core math problems. He's doing fractions now. Um, Derek, how's everyone doing? Hey, that's me. <laughs> hey, that's not me. Presto. <laughs> and by the way, Derek, welcome to Mighty Marvel Geeks, and where we don't know what voice is coming out next. That's <laughs> true. We have issues, and not just that's- on the shoulders. That's all right. I feel at home. I do have one question, though, Mike. I have to double check. I've asked this before, but I'm going to ask it again. Are you going to be okay with both me and Eric on the same show? See, tonight I can't. If I slip it up, y'all will both be there to pick it up. (laughs) Next week's going to be the problem. Now, the question is, did I start the show off with Mighty Marvel Geeks, or did I do Weeby Geeks, or did I do Wookiee Radio? (laughs) You heard me channeling my best Ted Knight voice from the Super Friends, so we started off with Mighty Marvel Geeks. Um, I'm we be the, mighty Marvel, mighty Wookie geeks. I I want to say uh, just real quick condolences to uh, a friend of mine who I met last year uh, when I got the opportunity to take him to Epcot for his first time ever. Uh, it's a guy by the name of David Kelly. Uh, he was a long time equipment manager for the San Diego or for the St. John Sea Dogs, and he just lost his four four year battle with brain cancer today. Oh man! He, when he was initially told he was told he had um, he needed to get all his fares in order because he had six weeks to live well you know what if you spread six weeks out over four years that was a long you know time. that's 
That was a long six weeks. Yeah. Indeed it was. And, and, Congratulations, dude. Congratulations. And, and y'all y'all probably heard me talk about him last summer on Wookiee Radio uh, after I met him. Uh, he was a great guy. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, glad to have known him and, and to have met him. And uh, he will be missed. He He's done a lot of good, though. Check out his website, teamdk.ca. Uh, it was a like, fundraising site where proceeds from stuff that they're selling on the site is going towards cancer research. Speaking of cancer research, I'm assuming that you heard the news of Alex Trebek announcing that he Mm -hmm. has stage four pancreatic cancer. Oh, yes. All I got to say is fight Alex fight because I am so not ready to start sharing my stories in remembrance of him yet. Well, this is why for me, as much as I'm a hockey fan, I am so glad to have some of the various hockey fights cancer items I have from a couple different teams um, because it's fighting cancer is something I believe in and I think when we get around to doing the three show fundraiser where we'll raise some money or make a wish um, some others I think part of the proceeds too uh, will go towards uh, cancer research you know maybe a couple of the different cancer cancer research a uh, couple of charities that go towards cancer research which you know hockey fights cancer maybe some towards Team DK uh, I'd even throw a bone towards Stephen Amell from D- of DC Arrow fame with his F cancer charity as well. So yeah, positive note. If we shall um, check out the homepage, support our affiliates. Some great stuff there. Um, try code Trivia Fifty or Trivia Thirty Five to get a a good size discount on your Marvel Gear and Goods box from Loot Crate. Uh, enter the code Field Agents, all one word, for fifteen percent off your Found Me tracker, uh, Bluetooth tracker, which we all have and we all love. It's <laughs> a great little thing. Matt got the anti-venom one and he did not stop gushing over it <laughs> hey just it's it's just it's an awesome awesome thing it is and it does it does so much just great too uh, oh yeah so check out check out our other affiliate superhero stuff where you can get some great captain marvel products uh ripped apparel red bubble uh fan chest because hey it's baseball spring training time or it's foot or it's football com- uh combine time get your support your favorite team get stuff there um speaking of captain marvel world premiere was What's this past Monday? I'm going to see it Saturday. I can't wait. Uh, we're seeing it a week from Saturday because of my work schedule. And with Zoe in school and everything else, trying to go in the middle of the week is kind of difficult. Mm. So I can imagine. Yeah. So I have an early shift on the 16th and we're going to go see the show after that when I get home. Well, there you go. So, um, but we had some, I, I was able to procure some sound bites, um, from the premiere, uh, from our fine, from the fine folks at Electronic Press Kit. Uh, they were able to, I, uh, I have access to the world, you know, to different things from there, different press kits from there, different things. My only, my only issue is I wish when you hear these bites, there's going to be a pot. Well, I don't know how much of a pause I may, I may mark this and create and let it stay as is. Um, but there were questions asked. All we're hearing is the answers. I wish they had the question. So we knew what, when asked this question, instead of assuming what the question was, well, um, we can make up questions. True. So what was it like to work on Wonder Woman? 
No. Well, there's of, actually a quote of Alex, in there that would work, but <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Alex Trebek, it's kind of like Jeopardy because you get the answers with, without, the and questions. you have to guess the question. <laughs> there you go. Um, so let's start off with Captain Marvel herself. Uh, these are her responses to a few questions we don't know. I'm just I'm relieved, you know. It's been three years of trying to keep the secret, so I'm just excited to share it, so I don't have to hold on to spoilers anymore. For me, it's 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 about story and it's about character, and it doesn't matter how big these movies get. It really becomes about human connection at the end of the day, and I think that's why they work so well. Um, and like you said, it's incredibly diverse with a large range, and they just keep expanding more and more. So it's a good family to be in. I mean, Carol, her heart is the Air Force, is, is the military. So to have them be with us every step of the way, including today, to have their support of this film means everything. So that's Brie Larson. Okay. Um, and there's a great picture that came out with her uh, posing with members of the Thunderbirds that did a flow over, or flyover the red carpet area. Hmm. So That's pretty sweet. I, I do believe that's the first time any MCU movie has had such a flyover. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, But, you know, I, I oh, think wasn't, that... Wasn't there an army... Uh, presence though with Captain America. Uh, I don't remember there came out. I don't remember there being one, but there should have been if there wasn't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, seriously, because I was just about to go there. I was kind of like, that's where you need to have Chris Evans roll up in a tank or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like an army jeep or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Have him get out of the jeep, pull the pin on the flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, as we have known, and I believe she has a cameo in the movie, uh, most of this movie is based around the tales of, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, who she was the one to bring Carol Danvers from Miss Marvel to Captain Marvel. Wait, that happened because, what, Captain Captain Marvel retired, died? I don't, I don't remember. I, I mean, I'm not familiar enough to know what led to that transition. We will look it up, or you, the listeners, can respond back going, hey, idiots, it's because of this. <laughs> we never claim to be experts. We just claim to be fans. No, we do claim to be freaking geniuses. Being freaking geniuses does not mean we're experts. Okay. So so here, here's some sound bites from Kelly Sue DeConnick. It's nuts. Um, I, I can't, I keep remembering, like... <laughs> Where I was, my office, like in our old house, where um, where I came up with some of this stuff, you know, and uh, and and now to see all of these things and to see Jamie McKelvey's design um, so beautifully rendered on, you know, these backdrops and on the pins that everyone's wearing, um, it's 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 magical, absolutely magical. Well, so I didn't create Carol. Carol's been around since the 1960s, um, and Jerry Conway in 1977 gave her powers and what my um, challenge to do uh, in the book they released in 2012 was to make her into somebody we could root for. The trick was to really steer into the whole pilot attitude and give her a little swagger and make her somebody that you could that you could really cheer for. Because you just couldn't really cheer for Captain Marvel before that. No. 
He but, said rather sarcastically. But I'm listening to this and I'm almost hearing, you know, if DC wanted to do a Starfire movie or a Star Sapphire movie as a side side film to Green Lantern, this is this is the formula that you should use. Because Ferris was a Air Force pilot as well, so, along with being a test pilot for her, her father's company. Right there with Hal Jordan. So but this is DC this is Marvel, not DC. Um so let's hear from from the big man himself, Kevin Bite. The most powerful hero is here. Introduced, we announced we were making this movie, I think almost four and a half years ago, right across the street at the El Capitan. And to think now that Brie Larson has inhabited this character, this amazing cast that came together, our directors, Ann and Ryan, so much had to happen in those four and a half years. The one thing that's remained consistent are the fans. The fans who are with us that day announcing it, the fans who've been reading about this character for so long, finally, the movie is here, and we couldn't be more proud of it. There's an amazing transformation that happens when, when we cast our, our, our most iconic characters. And I'm not sure which is which. I'm not sure if the heroes take on more of the personality of the actors or if the actors take on more of the personality of the heroes. But you look at Robert Downey, you look at Chris Evans, and certainly now Brie Larson, who is so honorable and is so intelligent and is so powerful and so strong. I just saw a video of her pushing a Jeep around the other day in, re- in real life, not in the movie. Uh, so it's pretty amazing. It's pretty wonderful. Yes, this premiere started with a military flyover of the Thunderbirds. They helped us every step of the way on the production. Uh, There's an amazing five-star general here who's the first female fighter pilot in the military. This film is all about that, and that we got their support along the way. There had been a lot of wonderful support over the years between the military and Marvel Studios, going back to Iron Man 1, where we shot at Edwards Air Force Base. We shot some scenes at Iron Man 2 there, and now in Captain Marvel. Returning there was really wonderful. I can't wait for audiences to see this section of the MCU history in the 90s, a fun action-adventure film set in the 90s, but most certainly, most specifically, Carol Danvers, and seeing her story and how she came to be our most powerful hero. So that's Kevin Feige. Some cool thing. Also known as Ra Ra to his friends. <laughs> also known Which, to- that's, uh, uh, Of course, he's going to be the biggest cheerleader in the world at the premiere. True. Well, it kind of has to be. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... Also known as, yes, sir. Anything you say, sir. <laughs> Um, now, finally, the director himself, before he became the director, uh, Mr. Sam, well, we know him as Mr. Sam, but you folks, it's Samuel L. Jackson, a.k.a. Nick Fury. Yes, amazing. Um, even better, you know, to have a friend playing that role and, you know, uh, possibly changing well, her careers on an upsuite. But now I think, you know, she's going to be like a, a shooting star. She's going to kill it. So that's the great part, to be able to be able to be in something with a friend and know that it'll change people's perception of who she is and the things she's capable of doing. Well, it's always great, you know, to be around, you know, young people that serve our country and, you know, do uh, everything to make sure that we're able to do the things that we do. They make it safe. Uh, and there's a great Armed Forces theme in the film, uh, Bree and uh, Lashana both play... Uh, jet pilots so there is that element we visited the base uh we shot out there we talked to these young people so it's really amazing that you know some of them got to come in and see the fruits of their labor also now this wasn't just an origin story though of captain marvel there, there's a, a mini origin story in this and it comes from agent colson aka before you get before you get to before you get to clark Gregg. 
I just want to point out, I liked it where he said to be around young people. Do you know how old Samuel L. Jackson is? He's in his 60s, isn't he? He is 70 years old. No. Yes. No. It's, his birthday is December 21st. Wow. 1948. Wow. 1948. Or to quote Joey Lawrence. Whoa. And I just think it's like, the dude does not, he does not strike me as being 70 years old. No, no. I mean, you, when I said, do you know how old he is? You probably thought early 60s. I was thinking, yeah, 63, 64, almost early to yeah, mid. Yeah, early to mid. No. So that means that no. he was he was in his late 50s when he did the prequels? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mid to late 50s, yeah. Wow. Well, here's, here's another fun little note for you on that note. Brie Larson was born in 1989. I remember what I was doing in 1989. <laughs> I was so grad- do I. I was graduating high school in 1989. Like, so was my wife. <laughs> I was in college in 1989. I still had three years till graduation. Well, I'm the youngest one for for once. Uh, Look at this beard and tell me. <laughs> tell me who the oldest guy in this group is. Not by much. Hey, my, mine, mine's pretty full of grays and whites, too. So, <laughs> Okay. But, yeah, just, just a little FYI. See, there's th- he's 70 years old. There. That's the thing you know now. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and hit Clark Gregg. I'm back. It's the 90s, and we don't have to wear the terrible clothes. Our clothes are okay. Um, it's an origin story, and it's kind of an origin story for Coulson. It's the first time we've seen him in the many, many movies and TV shows, and it's it's fun to go back to the very beginning and see the moments he and Nick Fury are getting to know each other and to see some of the secrets they've been keeping over at S.H.I.E.L.D. all these years. I mean, it's a great character with an amazing origin story, sorting out the secrets of who you really are, period. The fact that it also happens to be the first female-led superhero movie is really exciting. I have my 17-year-old daughter here tonight, and I'm excited to watch the movie with her. It's, it's one of the amazing things that they've managed to pull off since Iron Man. Certainly Kevin's managed to bring that tone to every different corner of the Marvel Universe in its different way that it needs to be done. It, it does, they don't get enough credit for how much it's evolved and evolves constantly. And the blend that they have of not taking itself too seriously and at the same time terrifying stakes. And I was, I was in tears at the end of Endgame, I mean at the end of uh, Infinity War. So they're doing something right. I agree with him in one respect that I don't think it I don't think the Marvel Cinematic Universe does get enough recognition of how it has evolved and how it has grown. I I agree. Oh, definitely. I do have one question, though. Has nobody told Clark Gregg about the Wonder Woman movie? <laughs> I'm just I'm just asking. I told you we discussed it already. We already discussed it. Yeah, he's a Marvel guy. Stink to this podcast didn't hear you. He's he a Marvel guy. He's a Marvel guy. He doesn't even know that Wonder Woman exists. He doesn't know any of the DC films exist. That's all I'm going to say. Other than I love Clark Gregg. I also noticed he almost slipped when he said he was in tears at the end of Endgame uh, Infinity War. <laughs> I was oh, like, wait, I what? <laughs> I guarantee you he'll be in tears at the end of Endgame and show will the rest of us. Yeah, I know. Also, also interesting of note, Clark Gregg is only 57 years old. And was another apparently bit of, another born, bit of information. Oh, go ahead. Fish. He was apparently also born in my neck of the woods, Boston, Massachusetts. Sweet. Another thing. I like him even more. <laughs> He's married to Jennifer Grey. 
Oh, that's right. Yep. Ferris Bueller's older sister and baby from Dirty Dancing. He really was. So the mm-hmm. two things you never do around Clark Gregg, you never touch Lola and you never put baby in the corner. <laughs> if you really want to have fun, go back to either season one or season two of Lip Sync Battle, where it's Haley Atwell versus Clark Gregg and Jonathan oh. Gray makes an appearance. Uh-huh. It is awesome. Now, my my question, the thing I've been wondering, and of course, you know, I won't find out until I see the movie is what, how is he going to play, what angle is he going to play the younger Coulson with? Because he, Coulson's gone through an entire evolution. Yes, he has. Well. Yeah. He, is, he has grown and evolved. If I were to hazard a guess, he is probably going to be much more closer to the uh, versions that we saw in like the first Iron man in the first Thor mm, right where there's there's more of it he's not as likable he's definitely not as likable in Thor right he's more straight laced very more straight laced very you know less chill uptight you might say <laughs> yeah, yeah uptight and they even touch on that a little bit during like the first couple of seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season right. one mm-hmm. the uh, the hydraopative with the, the bomb in her eye and she said you know uh what has happened to Coulson? I mean, he's different. <laughs> and so I, I think you're going to see the a less likable. Now, of course, we are recording this on Thursday. Yep. The, the widespread release has not happened yet. So by the time you're listening to this on Sorcerer Radio or you're listening to this on the podcast, you know, you could have already seen Marvel, you know, Captain Marvel and just think, dude, he was so off base or wow. <laughs> I know, right? That was a good call. I don't know. But give us well, a couple weeks because you know, y'all know our rule. Movies got to be out two weeks before we touch on any potential spoilers. And when we do have those spoilers, you, you do hear we... Do. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, here's a little mind trip for you. By the time, by the time people are listening to this on Sorcerer Radio or on the, you know a regular podcast, I will have seen the movie. Although I have not yet seen the movie, so he's going to end up counting, uh, contradicting himself at some point tonight. <laughs> so while you're listening to this, I have seen the movie. Even though when I'm recording it, I have not seen the movie. Okay, so you just put us in a time loop here. Derek, repeat after me. <laughs> repeat after me. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. After me, after me. <laughs> Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Well, he can't bargain anymore. He don't have the, stein, the time stone. <laughs> I'm saying that that scene in, in, in Doctor Strange was the epitome. Yes. Was the epitome of saving your video game before you get to the boss fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. So let's touch on a little bit of, of Nick Fury. Okay. Well, um, you, we, we know about all the the Marvel series shows that are coming to Disney Plus when it comes out. Uh, it's mm-hmm. we're getting we're getting shows about Loki, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Lady Sif. I got to admit, I'm kind of looking forward to that one particularly and a whole lot more. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so the question is, you know, who else are we going to get? You know, who are we going to get to see? And, you know, there's there's a big rumor. There's a lot of rumors going around that, hey, Nick Fury could could have his own show going. And I think that would be pretty cool. You know, I want because, I think so. I want to spread the rumor that Howling Commandos has come to Disney Plus. 
<laughs> Nobody's going to buy it. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy it. Sorry. Uh, I give you points for trying, young man. <laughs> now, you can have, like, you know, Howling Commando Legacy, like they sure. did with, with Trip for, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where it's kind of like, oh, well, he's the grandson of a Howling Commando. That, that's what you can have that. I mean, can you imagine right. what Dum Dum's granddaughter might look like? <laughs> that would be fun. That would be. And, and, and I'm going to be honest. It, one of the things I liked about Nick Fury in the comics was that it wasn't superhero adventures. It was like, mm, right. it, it was almost like James Bond meets the Wild West. Yeah. Yeah. And so a Nick Fury TV show, I think, would be cool. Yeah, that would be. But uh, unfortunately, uh, he did. He, Nick, Nick Fury. I'm about to call him Nick Fury, but of course, it is Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> but hey, we know him as such. <laughs> uh, he did a, a recent interview with Game Radar, and he was asked about that. He said, Nobody has asked me yet, but we'll see. Uh, we do know that he is going to be Fury in Captain Marvel, of course, and he's going to be Cap, uh, Nick Fury in Spider Man Far From Home. And so who knows where he'll show up from that point. You know, he had a, a little brief cameo in Infinity War. Hopefully we'll get to see him back in that game. Um, he, Games Radar was uh, actually this wasn't Games Radar. It was Entertainment Weekly. The article that I'm reading is from comicbook.com and they jump around from different interviews to inter- different interviews. So it's kind of kind of a little disjointed. Um, talking about what makes Fu- the young Fury different from the Fury that we know, he said, uh, quote, the fact that he didn't have that big chip on his shoulder yet. He still had two eyes at this point. He said there's there's something still light about Nick Fury. He's He'd been in some dark stuff, so there's still a bunch of stuff that hasn't been explored about him through the war and through his years mm. as a spy in the shadow world or whatever. But mm. now he's on a desk. He's kind of like he's on hiatus. He's sitting at this desk trying to figure out, okay, where's the threat coming from? Uh, Carol is his first extraterrestrial. She opens up a whole new world for him. So, yeah, it, he's. I like how he says, nobody's asked me yet, but we'll see. Because it sounds like he's <laughs> been game for it. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, just, I just think that that would be good. But right now, there's not one. I mean, you can't have a Nick Fury series starring Samuel L. Jackson without first talking to Samuel L. Jackson. Very, you would think. Very true. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see a series with Samuel L. Jackson playing Nick Fury, with the main villain played by David Hasselhoff. No, Nick no, Fury no. with the main villain played by John Travolta. And at some it. and at some point, I want Nick Fury to say to wh- whoever Travolta's character is, "You know what they call a quarter pounder in France?" Just to spin <laughs> it on him. Okay, you know there is a Pulp Fiction reference in Winter Soldier. Yeah. It's on the tombstone. It's on Nick Fury's tombstone where it says, you know, the path of the righteous man. Mm-hmm. But I got I got a scenario for you. Nick Fury played by Samuel L. Jackson, but you have Michael Hasselhoff playing Clay Quartermain. <laughs> Uh, that could be interesting. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Yeah, see, see, see. <laughs> or you go like alternate dimension. You see Samuel L. Jackson walk up, as Nick, walk up to like this portal, and you see David Hasselhoff with the eye patch and the leather jacket as Nick Fury. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and then they Kevin fight. Feige, Russo Brothers, if you're listening, and I know that you do, <laughs> don't even bother trying to deny it. We know better. Make this happen. Yeah. I know what I'm going to be dreaming about tonight. <laughs> 
So, yeah, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. But I, I'm truthfully not going to put I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for it. No, yeah, unfortunately, but it's nice to dream. Well, uh, dream we may be with what's been coming from Disney shareholders meetings, which this is the annual meeting, but yet supposedly there's another meeting, as we've talked about over on Wookiee Radio, on April 11th. So so this uh, is the shareholder meeting before the shareholder meeting. Uh, apparently so. Or, or so, yeah, or yeah, <laughs> something like that. Is this like the annual and, event? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm very jealous because at this latest annual shareholder meeting it is in quotation marks so that's the official title i guess um which actually happened earlier today this is breaking news uh they actually got an extended look at avengers endgame you lucky so-and-sos uh of course, nothing's surfaced online of the footage, naturally. Uh, and there's there's talk that this, this could even possibly be a second trailer. So comicbook.com had a little description of the footage. So let's delve into that a little bit. Warning, of course, there could be some slight spoilers. So if you don't want to know anything, I believe uh, I believe Colson said it earlier. Oh. You got you. Spoiler alert. A little. There you go. Thank you very much, Mr. Colson. So apparently uh, what they saw at the shareholders meeting uh, started out with the Avengers sitting in a room at the Avengers compound um, that we saw on the first teaser with Captain Marvel in attendance. Nebula is there also uh, as she mentions that she thinks Thanos would go to the garden um, after he completed his plan. What is the garden? Well, we don't know yet. And then Captain Marvel speaks up. Tells a group that they need to go to this garden and use the stones to undo everything that Thanos has done. Or I guess that would be do everything that Thanos has undone, technically. Um, so after that, the footage shows Rocket, Thor, Nebula, Captain America, War Machine, and Black Widow in space with Rocket saying something along the lines of, who has never been in space before? Raise your hand. After that, the footage closes with Rocket warning those who haven't been in space not to puke on his ship. That's And very that rocket. sounds like a very, yes, a definitely very Rocket speech. <laughs> it sounds like that's going to be a sound. That is Rocket. Rocket in a nutshell. <laughs> yes. So, of course, uh, hearing description of the footage, uh, it does almost sound like it could be a second trailer, um, the way it's described. Uh, but it doesn't reveal too much. But it does leave an incredible amount of the story to the imagination. Of course, another thing to note is the absence of the smartest heroes in the MCU, Iron Man and Ant-Man. It's also interesting to note that Nebula was a part of the group uh, because we know that she was trapped with Tony Stark in space. In space. And of course, we've also seen Ant-Man in the Avengers compound, uh, as we saw in the Super Bowl television spot, and the great scene in the trailer where he knocks on the front door or front gate i should say um so possibly we could be seeing iron man and ant-man going off to do science bro things with bruce banner true so this is all very intriguing 
and I, it's actually good because it doesn't really reveal too much, but it's it's an interesting little tidbit, and uh, you could read all kinds of things into it if you want to, or you could just take it as it is and say, oh, that sounds good. Now just, I shall or just do a wait until the movie. It. Well, yeah, sure, you could do that too, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't need to because we've done that for you. <laughs> But yeah, I'm uh I am so jazzed for this movie. I can't wait. Yes. And it's so close. It is so close. Hey, it's Stark in Space. <laughs> well, some so. people would call Stark a pig, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it's true. This is true. Well, uh, to continue on with some Avengers Endgame fun, I guess we could call it. Um, apparently, there's a new image from Endgame that reveals some major new looks at the team. Uh, speculations have been cast. Everyone is, uh, you know, interviews are coming out slowly. Uh, but there was an image that has been initially shared by Forbidden Planet, and it's uh, the Marvel Studios movie magazine, which I didn't know this existed and either and how do we get a hold of it on the yeah, cover really. we see we see hulk sporting his new suit as is hawkeye with his ronin themed gear we see captain marvel flying overhead uh nice to know her outfit's pretty much the same um and uh see black widow seems to have some new weaponry and a new look uh i can't tell well, yeah, her outfit's different slightly as well. I think so. Oh, yeah. Nebula's looks a little different. Uh, Caps is still slightly different. But you notice he's uh, clean shaven at the moment in this. Oh, right. Yes. So um, this will, will release on April 28th and will feature exclusive interviews and behind the scenes photos as well as breakdowns of each character's origin and their journey to Endgame uh, in this magazine. Um, and of course, this is this end game is going to be the latest in the epic installment in the Avengers movie franchise and the culmination of 22 interconnected Marvels. Holy cow. 22 mm. films in 11 years. Amazing. Yes. So th this cover, I, I'm I'm digging the outfit Hulk is wearing, which has been teased before. Yeah. It's some sort of like new um, actual kind of uniform for him. And maybe it ha has that technology where it shrinks and expands with his temperament. <laughs> oh, right. Nice. Yeah. I, you know, I one thing that I keep seeing on all the promotional artwork and and also on this, his facial features are looking different. All right. Think about it in his look has changed from the first Avengers movie to Age of Ultron. Right. Mm -hmm. And they changed real big time between that and Thor Ragnarok. Right. To me, the, and, the, it seemed like they were going away from the Eric Bana look and giving it more Mark Ruffalo look. Right. But the facial expressions don't seem to be, and also his personality does not seem to be the the mindless brute that it was before. Right. Right. You know, I mean, he was pretty much Hulk smash, Hulk smash in the first Avengers movie. Age of Ultron, he still... It, if we were to say, like, and this is like an analogy they used in the comics, the Green Hulk, the original Green Hulk, was like a child, a toddler. Hulk. 
he, that's essentially what his mental level was, a, an angry toddler that could right. choke Ewings. <clears throat> Age of Ultron, he was a little bit older child, like, you know, maybe, you know, eight years old or so. Thor Ragnarok, almost like a tween. I really think that they are setting up Professor Hulk at some point. Ooh. I hope so. Yes, because because if you notice at the end of Infinity War, he's basically talking, you know, Banner is basically talking to Hulk saying, we're going to have to have a nice long chat. Right. Yes, yes. And in the comics, we get the Professor Hulk, not from some gamma radiation beam, not for some alien, you know, teleportation device. He goes under hypnosis. Yeah. He goes under hypnosis therapy and all his personalities basically have a sit down come to Jesus meeting. Wouldn't it be cool if they did that <laughs> as part of the subplot in the Black Widow movie? Ooh. Ooh, yeah, that would actually. That would. Which one comes out first? I mean, Black Widow movie's not come out for a while yet. That's part of phase yeah, four. I, yeah. But Endgame's going to come first. Right. So I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, especially, I mean, we're going to, we we see Hulk. We don't see Banner. Right. And this could just be a giant fake out like they did for the Infinity War trailer where you saw Hulk, but it wasn't Hulk in the movie. It was Banner and the Hulkbuster. Right. Well, I I think, though, we may be leading, leaning towards that. But if, if they go potentially that route with Black Widow, besides an origin, but show the relationship between her and Banner, and they got to figure out how to overcome this, I wouldn't be surprised to for her to go to him to help the rest of uh was it the, the red room yeah the, the women of the red room to help them that he slowly becomes professor hulk at that point and she helps turn them that way i see where you're going but if we're going to get professor hulk in endgame that can't happen I don't, right yeah i don't think we're getting that professor hulk in endgame not yet yeah yeah you might be right yeah i mean it's a 50 50 thing either we will or we won't right all i'm saying is if if we see Professor Hulk in Endgame. And some of this art is making me wonder if we do, because Hulk does not seem to be, in these poses, he is not rampaging. Right. He is not He is not full on berserker mode. Right. Look at his facial expressions. A lot of them are serious, but they're focused. They're calm. They're not snarling, roaring, oh, Hulk smash ones. <laughs> right. So it makes me wonder, and I could be totally wrong on this, and I will fully cop to that if it's if it comes out that way when Endgame comes out and, and he's still mindless brute. I but I just it, it's just making me think that he that some version of Professor Hulk is gonna come into play here. Well maybe we'll get uh Mr. Fix It. <laughs> I would take Mr. Fix It. Yes, I would too. Because the the Great Hulk was pretty entertaining. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon, but you never know. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna throw another one out at you guys. I think we're going to see Professor Hulk in Endgame. Who do you see dying in Endgame? Uh, Ooh. Well, the the natural, the natural one I want to go with only because of the announcement of him done with his contract is I see Cap dying. Well, you could say that, but the other thing is there's also a word 
that came out a while ago that Robert Downey Jr. might actually be done too. So it could be Tony Stark. I mean, you could really pick out any of the original Avengers lineup and say, right. okay, they're dying. Right. But you're right. The 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 general consensus is it's either going to be uh, Chris Evans, you know, Steve Rogers, or Tony Stark. Personally, I right. don't think yeah. I don't think we're going to see the end of Tony Stark simply because Robert Downey Jr. loves the role so much. Yeah. <laughs> Plus that I know he keeps saying he wants to stop, but he never does. Well, I I could see him. I could see no more Iron Man movies, which we haven't had in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But right. I, I can still see him doing cameos. Yeah. And bit right. roles. Like in Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. Right. Support roles. And plus, I mean, there's also the thing to consider. Tony Stark saved Robert Downey Jr.'s career. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I do I do agree with you. The other the other consensus would be Steve Rogers. And <laughs> I don't know if this is a troll attempt or just a hey, this was really cool. We want to share it. But the Russo brothers, the directors of Avengers Endgame and Infinity War, they have taken to Twitter and they have shared a Cap fan tribute from uh, this fan going by the name I Am Rookie. It's basically, it takes clips from all of the the Captain America appearances in the films. And splices them together that where uh, Avengers Endgame allows Steve to go back home by its end and be with Peggy. Interesting. So, you know, could it be... Could it be because, you know, the time stone allows him to go back in time and be with her? Or basically, is this is this a death vision? You know, right, does this right, mean yeah. he dies? It's kind of like the occurrence at the Owl Creek Bridge by uh, Ambrose Bierce. It's a little short story. And if you've never read it, you need to read it because it's really good, even though it's kind of bizarre. It was kind of it's kind of a little sad, <laughs> but but it's what it reminded me of when I watched this video. And of course, the fan base has lost its proverbial crap over it. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and Chris Evans himself has not helped this. He posted an emotional tribute to, to Cap when uh, he, he finished filming Endgame. And so now the Russo brothers come and br- send this out. And so everybody is basically taking this as a confirmation of, well, sayonara, Steve. Sure. I don't I can see that. I can see that. I don't know. And this could be a good time for him to leave because we are seeing Captain Marvel being pushed into that role that Cap held for the first 10 years of the MCU. Right. Right. Now, it does kind of feel a little forced. It doesn't feel natural, as natural as Chris Evans being Captain America and him feeling this role. But... I mean, it, this would be a good exit point for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not he's whether or not he is dead or he has retired, as we've seen in the comics and also in the MCU, being dead doesn't screw up your career like it used to. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, I mean, Coulson pulled a Lazarus and Cap himself have, have has come back from the dead more than once. <laughs> True. <laughs> So I I do think this is probably the last we will see of Steve Rogers for a while. I'm not ready to say he's dead. I agree. Right. Because it could be a case of like Denise Crosby from the Star Trek franchises. 
Uh, she she said, you know what? I, I don't like this role. I want out of this role. Uh, you know, hey, kill me off so I can go do movies and stuff. Well, Denise Crosby did not really have a good solo movie career. No. That so she not goes back. well for her. No. So so what do they do? Well, they write him back in as Tasha's daughter, who just <laughs> happens to be an evil Romulan. It's kind of like, you know, no, I want out. I want out. I want out. I want out. Oh, I got out and I'm not liking it. I want back in. I want back in. I don't I'm not going to say I'm not saying that's going to happen to Chris Evans. But sooner or later, playing a role for a long time is not for everybody. Right. Let me me pose this question. Say Cap does die, and then we get the return of, or a resurrection of Cap, like in the comics. But when we do, we get the infamous Hail Hydra from him. No. I don't see that happening. I will go join the DC Superpowers podcast when that happens. (laughs) You'll go in the closet. (laughs) And I will lock that door. Because I had enough of the world at that point. Yeah. We we do playful jabs at, uh, back and forth with, with that group. They're a bunch of good guys, though. Yes. They're good people. Derek and I have well, to work yeah. with them on w- one night a week. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, one of them's our co-host on Wookiee Radio, but you know. And we throw jabs right. at them there, too. So, um, <laughs> so there you go. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, do, I don't think. I hope he doesn't die, because I do like having him in the MCU. But we'll see. And see, I, I see if anything, you know, if they talk about bringing back this uh, a, a new Iron Man and they're bring, bringing back or considering uh, the younger Iron Man which we know is Iron Heart I would love to see Robert Downey Jr. take on that what everyone's wanting over in DC take on that old man Bruce Wayne type mentorship role with her yes, old man yeah. Tony old man Tony old man Tony <laughs> so. back in my day we didn't have nano but repulsor gauntlets I had to make mine from stuff at Radio Show but uh, talking about characters making a comeback in comics. Oh, this one of my. All right. One of my favorite characters and has been for a very long time is Ghost Rider. Yes. Uh, so, of course, you know, we've seen we've seen Ghost Ghost Rider kind of seems to have like a almost almost like a like a, a spirit of vengeance in a way. He goes through these weird phases where he's really popular and he kind of dies down and it gets really popular again. Then he dies down and then he comes back again. So it looks like that could be happening again, which I'm very excited about. If you've been reading Avengers, as I have, and I highly suggest it, uh, it's a very good book right now. Well, we've had uh, it's an interesting on the team. show before. He's, he's really good. Yes, I remember that. I've 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 listened to that, that episode. Um and yes, he is very good. And he's he's come up with a very interesting group of Avengers right now. That does include unfortunately not everybody's favorite ghostwriter, but the the Robbie Reyes, Reyes uh ghostwriter who I have mixed feelings about. On the one hand, I kind of like him. He's kind of cool and all, but on the other hand, He's no Johnny Blaze. Well, 
good news, folks, because apparently in the latest issue of Avengers, Avengers 16, which I have not read yet because it just came out and I have not gone to the comic book store yet. That's tomorrow. Um, apparently, an old familiar friend comes back. Because for most of that issue, Robbie is apparently – oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers for Avengers 16 if you haven't read it yet. But apparently, uh, Robbie was stuck in traffic down in the depths of hell <laughs> as the spirit of vengeance took over his body up in Earth, fighting the rest of the Avengers. Oh, yeah, I know. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's in the middle of the Battle of the Vampires. Yep. I know exactly where what's going on. Uh, and the entire it, that was I four traffic around Walt Disney World. Mm, could be, yeah, or that could be uh, that could be traffic deep in the heart of Boston too. Um, anyway, the, yeah, so there we go. <laughs> Anybody else want to chime in out there? Um, I think Atlanta takes it. <laughs> possibly, possibly. I don't know. You know, if we had somebody from L.A., they might disagree. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, while Robbie was down in in uh, the depths of hell, there was a mysterious character constantly talking to to him, teasing difficulty for him up ahead. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, his character wasn't revealed until off after Robbie had already been rescued and his inner monologue introduced a flashback to his final moments in hell. And the last page of the book featured none other than original ghost well not technically original ghostwriter but original modern ghostwriter johnny blaze in all his glory sitting on his bike and still reigning as the king of hell and he left robbie with a menacing speech and that speech suggested that their stories are about to intertwine once more to which johnny says to robbie you'll be back and the king of hell will be here waiting and next time i see you ghost rider you and me we're gonna do a bit more than just talk we're gonna have us a little ride <laughs> i was about yeah. to go with it i got one more ride in me <laughs> <laughs> now if that doesn't give you chills of hellfire i don't know what will uh but then robbie continued on to explain that it wasn't Johnny or Hell that he felt the idea that he was something even worse. Uh, and in which he said that Johnny Blaze was a good guy once. He was the greatest ghostwriter who ever lived. Well, it's hard to argue with that. Now he's something that chills my bones. Maybe because I, I know I'm already more of a monster than he ever was. <laughs> I don't know about that one, kid, but you know. Well, so, yeah, I, I think he's I, right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. When you Ultimately, when you look at it, I think so. Yeah. Of course. I, I, had, I had issues with Robbie Reyes as ghostwriter when I first, you know, I first started reading about him. Right. Uh, me too. Part of it was it part of it was just the fact that he had a car. Was yes. it was, did I did I have an issue with his ethnicity? No. No. Did I have an issue with him being so young? No. No. Did I have an issue with his spirit of vengeance being a lot more bloodthirsty, a lot more evil. Oh, no, no. Well, not really, but no, it was the car because it's, it's almost See, like again, I had mixed obligation. You got to have a bike. Right. Although um, there was a ghost 
Strider in the Old West that did have a horse. Well, and we have recently learned. It, well, yeah. We also have learned that there was a Ghost Rider back in the caveman days that also rode a woolly mammoth. <laughs> um, and interestingly enough, there was an issue of this current Avengers run where the Ghost Rider inhabited a celestial. That was pretty cool. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I had like I had mixed feelings because on the one hand, I did have that same issue where it, it's it's a car, but it's supposed to be a bike, but it's a car. But on the other hand, the car is kind of pretty cool. Yeah. So you know, it's a little a little a little bit of mixed feelings there. But I think I think the the issue I had was that it's not the same Ghost Rider. It's like a whole different. It's like a whole different kind of Ghost Rider because the the spirit is his, his dead uncle who uh he was a killer and all you know whatever and all this so i think for me the 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 problem i had was the way they changed his story but i I got used to it i guess i I admit he kind uh, he kind of grew on me when right they brought him to agents of shield yes definitely i mean they he definitely grew on me at that point and there were times where he was not driving the car, but it was like riding on top or riding on the hood. Yes. Yeah. That that part, okay, I was I was cool with that part. But I mean, there's no there's no argument. Johnny Blaze was the first Johnny Blaze. Well, all right, maybe not the first. He was definitely the best. <laughs> yeah, the best. Yeah, I mean, but I also loved Danny Ketch at the time. You know, I used, yes. I used to be a fan of that series. So I collected I guess, that series for a good while. I guess. Yeah, until until near the end when it got all weird. But anyway, did you, um, did you catch the not no pun intended? Did you catch where Johnny Blaze showed up? It was in the early part of that run. Yes, after after the Dan Catch Ghost Rider, you know, started getting attention, and right. Johnny yes. did yep. not have he did not have the demon in him. He was he was just Johnny Blaze. Right. He basically came to it was a showdown between those two. Yep. Yeah, and Johnny Johnny had the Hellfire shotgun. Yes, he got yep. the the shotgun. The shotgun was just so so awesome. I am Yeah, it was. That was that. oh, yeah. I remember that. As much as I'm loving this discussion, unfortunately, <laughs> we could we could go on about Ghost Rider all night. <laughs> we can, but unfortunately, in the limited time we have left, it is Here are the picks of the week. <laughs> and Eric, why don't you start us off? Okay, uh, my first pick of the week is a number one. It is Marvel Tales Thor number one uh, by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Jen Bartel, and others. Journey into mystery with the mighty Thor as we celebrate the 80th anniversary of the House of Ideas with the era-spanning Marvel Tales. This anthology series shines a spotlight on fan-favorite characters, features timeless stories, and highlights some of Marvel's most impressive talent from the past eight decades. Reprinting the dastardly debut of the eternal thorn in Thor's side, his devious stepbrother Loki, he's adopted, in Journey into Mystery number 85. Titans clash as the Thunder Guard faces Hercules, the Lion of Olympus, in Journey into Mystery Annual number one. The Avengers are taught a mighty lesson by the Asgardian Valkyrie and her Lady Liberators in Avengers number 83. And Walt Simonson's 
extraordinary legendary run begins with the status quo smashing arrival of Beta Ray Bill in Thor number 337. Excellent. Derek. Very excellent. Your first pick. All right. Well, my picks all come from deep in my pull list, and I cannot wait to read these, especially my first pick, which is Age of Conan Bellet, or is it Belit? I'm not sure. I call it Belit, but it's number one. Yeah, I've also heard others call it Bellet, so I like Belit, though, I think. Anyway, Age of Conan Belit, number one of five. It is by Tinny Howard, Kate Niemchik. And uh, and uh, Sana Takata, who is awesome. And the synopsis is the she-devil of the sea who would be queen. Bellet, the name alone, conjures fear up and down the coasts of the Hyborian Age. And the sight of her ship, the Tigress, is an omen of despair for any town in the pirate queen's path. The Age of Conan kicks off with one of Conan's most formidable and memorable female compatriots in an all-new story revealing how she became the undisputed queen of the Black Coast. The teenage elite obsessed with the sea, as well as the monsters and treasures she thinks are summoning her there, stows away on the ship of the dread Admiral Atrahasis, interesting, into a deadly adventure even she could not predict. Plus, the first chapter in an all-new Belit prose novella presented here for the first parental advisory. Interesting. Mm, I'm looking forward to that one. Well, my first pick of the week is Old Man Quill number three. Back in the saddle, Peter Quill and the Guardians of the Galaxy make their way through the wastelands. But even as they try to help Earth's downtrodden, the shadow of doom hangs over their every move. Their only hope, a valuable weapon that may or may not have been forgotten on Earth. I'm looking forward to that one, too. Yeah. So, Eric, your second pick of the week. My second pick of the week is Decades Marvel in the 60s. Trade paper bike. Trade paper bike. Trade paper back. <laughs> Trade paperback. Spider-Man meets the Marvel Universe. Celebrate 80 years of Marvel Comics decade by decade and see how Spider-Man became an icon of the web-swinging 60s. The ever-sociable wall crawler helped build the connected Marvel Universe we know and love with these early team-ups and tussles with his fellow heroes, beginning with his bid to join the Fantastic Four. Witness the beginnings of Spidey's amazing friendships with the Human Torch and Daredevil, and his first runs-ins with the Hulk, Avengers, X-Men, and more. Plus, the legendary Steve Ditko unites his signature characters, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. This trade paperback, Mm. trade paper bike, collects amazing Spider-Man number 16, and Annual Numbers 2 and 3, Strange Tales Annual Number 2, Avengers Number 11, Daredevil Number 16 and 17 and 27, X-Men 35, and Fantastic Four 73. Also collects material from Amazing Spider-Man Number 1, Number 8, and Number 14, Fantastic Four Annual, and Tales to Astonish Number 57. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, Derek, your second pick of the week. 
My second pick of the week is Avengers No Road Home, number five. Okay. By Al Ewing, Sean Izaxi, and Yasmin Putri. The all-new weekly Avengers event continues as the Scarlet Witch works to escape Nix's prison of darkness. The Hulk takes on Hypnos, Lord of Sleep, in the realm of Nightmare. Nightmare is pretty cool. Yes, I love Nightmare. Kind of nightmarish, but, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Sometimes you got to go with the name you're given. This is true. Well, my second pick of the week is Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, number six. After the life-changing events of Spider-Geddon, Gwen Stacy of Earth-65 has resolved to stay on her home turf and resume her normally scheduled superheroics as Ghost Spider. But in the wake of the hand's downfall, something sinister has begun stalking the streets of New York at night. Will Gwen be able to track it down or track down the thing that goes bump in the dark? Or will she become one more victim of the man wolf ooh, uh, ooh man wolf of London <laughs> <laughs> or I can uh, fix that well I'll never hear that song the same way again she will become a victim of man wolf I saw a man wolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's and his hair was perfect <laughs> so Eric your final pick of the week I wish I'd have gone with werewolf by night here but <laughs> unfortunately uh, Oh, yeah, that missed opportunity. But this is not a missed opportunity. It is the War of Realms Prelude trade paperback. I seem to be going on trade paperbacks this week. And Thor, <laughs> because, you know, we're recording this on Thorsty. Uh, Jason Aaron's epic Thor run ah. is about to shake reality to its foundations. The War of the Realms looms. But how did it begin? Watch the Dark Elf Malekith's plot unfold across these key chapters, beginning with his first appearance, his untold origin, and his return to plague not one mighty Thor, but two. When the Odin son is rendered unworthy, Jane Foster wields Mjolnir to fight the chaos spread by Malekith and his dark allies. A new League of Realms, the Norns, and the Queen of Cinders all feature as Malekith's power grows, and the stage is set for war. This uh, trade paperback collects Thor number 344, Thor God of Thunder number 13 and 17, Mighty Thor numbers 1 and 2, 13 and 14, and 22, and material from Thor God of Thunder number 25, Mighty Thor number 4 and 700, and Mighty Thor at the Gates of Valhalla. I I, I just got to say it. uh, (laughs) Derek, your, your final pick of the week. Uh, my final pick is part of a mini series that I have been enjoying quite a bit, and it is Dead Man Logan number five of twelve by Ed Brisson, Mike Henderson, and Declan Shelby. I noticed that my picks have all been part of something, <laughs> part of five, part of twelve, part of. Um. Anyway, five fingers of death, sin, <laughs> and Miss and Miss Sinister have Logan in their clutches, and they won't be happy until his corpse is picked clean, plus the fate of Mysterio revealed. (laughs) Well, I guess it's back to me. My final pick of the week is Star Wars Han Solo Imperial Cadet number five. This, I believe, wraps up the series. Uh, Behind enemy lines, Han Solo and his fellow cadets risk their lives to save one of their own, but not all of them will be coming back from this mission, and even if Han survives, will the Empire throw him in the brig or worse? Mm, I'm guessing worse. Yeah, so so, 
uh, Eric, how about something tells me? How about the MU pick for this week? Okay, well, I got to keep the 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 theme going, so we've gone for four Thors. Uh, with this one, the Marvel Unlimited pick of the week is Ultimate Comics Thor number one from October sixth of twenty ten. Exploding from the pages of the Ultimates comes Ultimate Thor. Don't miss the superstar team-up of Jonathan Hickman and Carlos Pacheo as they go back to the beginning and tell the origin of Thor, Loki, and the rest of Asgard. Ragnarok has descended, and Asgard sits at the edge of the end. What will become of Thor and the Warriors 3? And what exactly does Baron Zemo, mysterious commander of the Nazis, have to do with it all? Ultimate Comics Thor brings you the untold story of Thor's thunderous debut. And I'm just going to say it. My first experience with Ultimate Thor was from the video game Marvel Ultimate Alliance. And when I saw like the uh, the opening cinematic sequence where you know he's he's fighting the the doom bots on the uh, on the the flying ship around the helicarrier, right, right, and you see that Mjolnir, yeah, oh right, and I'm yeah, just thinking, that is the most outrageous Mjolnir I've ever seen, and I and I like, yep. it. <laughs> and then you see Stormbringer or Stormbreaker, excuse me, in the uh, Infinity War movie, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's just a storm, that's just a scaled down Ultimate Mjolnir. Yep. <laughs> and I'm good with Pretty that much. too. Oh yeah. So there we go. I have wrapped up my four Thor theme for the evening on Thursday. Excellent. Well, well done, sir. And that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, I would say, do we have any final thoughts? But we're kind of kind of there at the end. Um, we ain't got time for no final thoughts. True. I will say thank <laughs> you, Derek, for filling in for Kylan this week. Um, Thanks for having me, guys. Thursday, if you would, please. I'm not a schwafel. Okay. <laughs> Test 37 configuration 2.0. For lack of a better option, dummy is still on fire safety. If you douse me again and I'm not on fire, I'm donating you to City College.